Apparently there's a loose connection on the microphone. To get a new one. Okay, is that working? Yes, okay. Well, we're going to have a Bible reading, uh, which comes from the book of Zechariah, chapter 14. This is our third sermon in Zechariah. Um, would someone like to volunteer to do the reading? Any takers? Right? Okay, thank you. It's going to be on the board. Uh, and so uh, that would be wonderful. It's on the uh, page just here as well. A day of the Lord is coming, Jerusalem, when your possessions will be plundered and divided up within your very walls. I will gather all the nations to Jerusalem to fight against it. The city will be captured, the houses ransacked, and the women raped. Half of the city will go into exile, but the rest of the people will not be taken from the city. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fights on a day of battle. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will be split into two from east to west, forming a great valley, with half of the mountain moving north and half moving south. You will flee by my mountain valley, for it will extend to Ezel, and you will flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come, and all the holy ones with him. On that day there will be neither sunlight nor cold, frosty darkness. It will be a unique day, a day known only to the Lord, with no distinction between day and night. When evening comes, there will be light. On that day, living water will flow out from Jerusalem, half of it east to the Dead Sea and half of it west to the Mediterranean Sea, in the summer and in winter. The Lord will be king over the whole earth. On that day there will be one Lord, and his name the Holy Name. The whole land from Geba to Rimmon, south of Jerusalem, will become like the Arabah, but Jerusalem will be raised up high from Benjamin Gate to the site of the first gate, to the corner gate, and from the tower of Hanal to the royal wine presses, and will remain in its place. It will be inhabited. Never again will it be destroyed. Jerusalem will be secure. This is the plague with which the Lord will strike all the nations that fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they are still standing on their feet, and their eyes will rot in their sockets, and their tongues will rot in their mouths. On that day, people will be stricken by the Lord with great panic. They will seize each other by the hand and attack one another. Judah too will fight at Jerusalem. The wealth of all the surrounding nations will be collected. Great quantities of gold and silver and clothing. A similar plague will strike the horses and mules, the camels and the donkeys, and all the animals in those camps. Then the survivors from all the nations that have attacked Jerusalem will go up year after year to worship the King, the Lord Almighty, and to celebrate the festival of tabernacles. If any of the peoples of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord Almighty, they will have no rain. If the Egyptian people do not go up and take part, they will have no rain. The Lord will bring on them the plague he inflicted on the nations that 
do not go up to celebrate the festival of tabernacles. This will be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all the nations that do not go up to celebrate the festival of tabernacles. On that day, holy to the Lord will be inscribed on the bells of the horses and the cooking pots in the Lord's house will be like the sacred bowls in front of the altar. Every pot in Jerusalem and Judah will be holy to the Lord Almighty and all who come to sacrifice will take some of the pots and cook in them. And on that day, there will no longer be a Canaanite in the house of the Lord Almighty. Thank you. Zechariah chapter 14, quite a reading, the end of the book of Zechariah. And uh, we come today and our title is Looking to Jesus. In the face of all we heard and read, looking to the one that will bring hope in the midst of all that is going on, the one who is trustworthy. Because where else truly would we look in life to find help from above? In ourselves, looking to our family or friends, the reality is, is that we need to look to Jesus. Because we all ask questions of life, um, and uh, at death is a big time. We go to a funeral or a gravesite. This picture here, she's a, a gravesite that's seen better days. It's uh, starting to, some of the sites are falling and uh, they're not lasting. The reality is, is that we all come and go. Life has its time, death comes. And in the meantime, sometimes we need to ask those big questions about meaning and purpose. What are we here for? What are we doing? What truly matters and will last? And if someone was to go on a journey searching, I don't think that we would tell them just to go to a really big city. Does anyone know the biggest city in the world, population-wise? I heard someone over this way, I think. No, it wasn't Mexico. Tokyo. 38 million people, almost double the Australian population in one small city that's quite crammed in. It's unlikely that you would find true meaning and purpose nestled into that place. And of course, the largest country in the world is China, that has some, uh, I think it's 1.4 billion people in there. Looking to people uh, is not likely going to give us all the answers to life. Anyone been to Tokyo before? Anyone been to China? A few people? Did all the questions of life answered in China? I think not. Sometimes we're encouraged, it's very popular, the eat, pray, love concept, to find the meaning of life by exploring ourselves, losing uh, um, whatever part of our life and going on a spiritual journey by looking inwardly and reflecting. But of course, we wouldn't recommend that that's the way to find the true answers in life. We are encouraged to look to our Creator, to our God, if we want our true purpose and meaning. To look to the God who has made us and loves us and who has spoken to us, to this world. The God who is available everywhere if people will search for Him. Now, 
this letter, the, the letter of Zechariah, was, was written to people who were returning from exile. They had been taken over, uh, out from their home and they were in Babylonia in exile and then they were brought back. They felt called by God to come back. And they're coming to rebuild the city and the temple. And these starting words today from Zechariah are a horrible picture. Imagine you were coming back to rebuild a city. You were coming to rebuild a temple. And you hear these words about what's going to take place in the future. Words that look really bleak. Because the day of the Lord is coming, Jerusalem, when your possessions will be plundered and divided up within your very walls. That's a terrible picture of being conquered by foreign nations and their, their goods taken away. And it gets even worse. I will gather all the nations to Jerusalem to fight against it. The city will be captured, the houses ransacked, and the women will be raped. Half of the city will go into exile, but the rest of the people will not be taken from the city. It is a horrible picture. Death, loss in so many ways. People acting in a horrible way. It's a terrible picture for those who are going to put their hands to rebuilding Jerusalem. The only glimmer of small hope is that half will remain there. And so we think, we cast our eyes to this city called Jerusalem. Twice we know that Jerusalem has been completely torn down. Do you know when one of those times were? Where it was completely taken down? Yeah, by the Babylonians before exile, they came in and they completely destroyed the temple and the city and it was in ruins. Does anyone know the second time it was completely torn down? Yeah, the Romans 70 AD, the, the, the Jewish people had a revolt and they thought, no, we're going to fight back the Romans and they did for a little while, but then the Romans came with their full force and after a siege, they were able to completely destroy Jerusalem. And once again, it laid in ruin for some 50 years before the Romans rebuilt it. It was rebuilt as a Roman city and Jews were forbidden to enter. That was in about 135 AD. And so the point that's been made already at the start of this reading is don't put your hope in this city or even in its people. Don't trust in, in what is before your eyes. Look up. Look to God's. He is the one that you will find hope in. And indeed, if we look at Jerusalem at the moment, it is a mess. There is no peace in that city. There is a lot of violence, a lot of tourism. Uh, it's not a place of genuine prosperity. Um, it's it's a, a place that is struggling, without a doubt. We might recall at the start of the letter where we all started, Zechariah spoke these words. The Lord was very angry with your ancestors. Therefore tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you. This picture of people's hearts returning to God, not to the city, not to the temple, but to the God greater than those things. And in chapter 13, the chapter that comes before this reading, gives us a bit of an idea of why destruction might come to Jerusalem. It says, On that day a fountain will be opened to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and impurity. The problem with the people returning is that they still 
were going to sin. They still had brokenness inside them. There were still going to be false prophets and there was still a spirit of impurity within them that was going to be taken away. But in, in, in the picture of brokenness of the people and the brokenness of Jerusalem and the brokenness of God's people, we keep getting our attention drawn to one who would come. God's good shepherd, God's perfect one, God's Messiah, the one who would help the people to in their hearts declare that the Lord is our God's. And we know, we know that these predictions were looking forward to Jesus. Hope is found in Jesus. We were talking about that last week, the prediction of the triumphal entry in chapter 9. God's promised Messiah was coming. And it was in Him and in Him alone that hope would be for God's people. God's way to, to set people right. It was not about a particular city or a particular temple. It was about God working through His Son, Jesus Christ, to change hearts and to set people free. And that hope was not to be found in rebuilding a city, but hope was to be found in looking to the God who was going to rescue His people. This is the God who is powerful. And the next few verses, they jump out of the page because we see a picture of our powerful gods working in His greatness. In verse 4, On that day His feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will split in two from east to west, forming a great valley. We see this, this picture of God showing up to the Mount of Olives. Out of, Mount of Olives was higher than Jerusalem. It looked down on the city and on the temple. And here God in His greatness is coming and doing a new work, a work of power that only God could do. He's going to make a new path even through this rugged hill country. God is showing up in His power. This is powerful imagery of the greatness of God who was coming. If the people of that day would only trust in that powerful God what hope they would have. We pick up in verse 5, it says, Then, once the people look to the gods, then, after he set things right, the Lord my God will come and all the holy ones with him. God was going to come in his timing as he works, in his power. And he was going to come to those that remained in him. In verse 6, we see this picture. On that day, there will be neither sunlight nor cold, frosty darkness. Straight away, you might think to the book of Revelation, where it says that in God's timing, when He sets everything right, there will no longer be a sun. There will no longer be nighttime. And why is that? Because God is going to be light. God is going to shine brightly amongst His people. His blessing would be there. And we see another picture in verse 8 from God returning, for Jesus coming back in all His glory. In verse 8, On that day, living water will flow out from Jerusalem, half of it east to the Dead Sea and half of it to the Mediterranean Sea in summer and winter. We see a picture of life from God going out, living water from sea to sea all year round. This is a, a beautiful picture of God pouring out goodness to all people who turn to Him. Life to be found in Him. 
And the picture is made clear in verse 9. The Lord will be king over the whole earth. And on that day there will be one Lord and his name the only name. What a promise. Look at those words. Who is going to be the great one over all this world? Our God. Our Lord Jesus. He is going to be Lord over all. King over just a small, small section of this earth? No. Just Jerusalem? No. It's going to be king over everything. One Lord, the name above all names. What a beautiful picture for those that looked past Jerusalem and onto Jesus or onto the promises of God. True hope is found in trusting God. Because the picture we see here is a mighty return of Jesus. Coming and restoring and setting things right. A breaking uh, and setting things up into to God's kingdom, the way it should be. These verses are by no means easy to completely understand. Particularly the first two where it talks about Jerusalem being so poorly treated. But as we think through the goodness of what they point to, they point to something better. They point to the promises of God. They point to Jesus coming back in all His glory. That beautiful reminder that every day, sorry, in one day, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Here we see predictions for hundreds of years before Jesus, talking about not only His first coming, but also what is to come at the end of times when everything is made right. Words of hope for people who trust in their gods. Beautiful promises that we cling to today. Amazing promises when the Lord comes amongst us. Do you long for that? Do you long for the Lord to return and to set the brokenness around us right? We should. Because brokenness is everywhere. We know that. Many people have been unwell in our midst. There's been struggles that we face. This world is facing. Jerusalem, as I mentioned before, is still a mess. We want everything to be set right. And that will only take place when Jesus returns. And so we long for that day. When God makes it right. In His mighty power. If you look through these verses closely, you'll notice that it's not... The will of the people that gets things sorted. It's not because they work really hard. We're going to work. We're going to rebuild Jerusalem. We're going to do it all our way. No. It doesn't work that way. You trust in God and He fixes it in His timing. We need to be patient. In these verses, they look forward to God seeing everything right. In verses 10 to 11, there's a picture of a new Jerusalem rather than the broken Jerusalem of the past. It is God who is working to fix this. And our minds might think through the current day Jerusalem. We might think, well, this must be the work of God fixing it. Well, it's still very broken there. I think there is so much that needs to be done and it would take a mighty work of God to change what's happening in Jerusalem to be truly about Him. I've heard that it's it's hard for Christians to actually... Uh, become Jewish Christians to, to settle in, in Israel anymore. There are many hindrances um, there. It is not perfect at all. So much fighting and unrest. And yet, these words are spoken in Zechariah 
And it says in verse 10, it is this picture of Jerusalem being lifted up. You see that at the end of the verse, that, that, uh, or in the middle there, that raised up high will be Jerusalem, and all the surrounding country which had mountains on it would be lowered down. So in the God's mighty work, we see this picture of this elevated city, and this elevated city would remain, and it would be inhabited, of course, with God's people It will never be destroyed. Jerusalem will be secure, never to be taken again. We see a different picture because it's the work of God. Rather than the mess of Jerusalem that was we see it, we see a picture of God's blessing on a new Jerusalem. In the book of Revelation, we see pictures of a, a city from heaven coming down for God's people. And so too here we see a new Jerusalem that will be secure. And it's not by human work. It's by the work of God to make it that way. A picture where the people would truly belong to God. They will be blessed. They will be secure under God's blessing. It's a picture of hope. But then the verses that continue, they talk about terrible plagues that will go against God's enemies. Plagues that would mean that that people's bodies rot away under God's judgments. Plagues that would bring about, uh, yeah, their destruction for the unfaithful, for those who had turned against God. Judgment will come. God will set everything right in His timing. God is the powerful one who reigns, the mighty one. And His plagues will be severe. But the good news is, is that there will be some survivors. And we see that in verse 16. Similar to the book of Revelation, there are many plagues predicted against those that oppose God. Verse 16, then the survivors from all the nations that have attacked Jerusalem will go up year after year to worship the King, the Lord Almighty, and to celebrate the festival of tabernacles. We see a picture of people that have been corrected and now they are returning to God. A beautiful picture of worship of the one true God from all nations because God has returned and he has set everything right. What a beautiful picture. A picture that we still long for to see every nation, people returning to worship God. And those that don't worship are told that they will be corrected. And the final picture in the book of Zechariah is beautiful. It says, On that day, holy to the Lord will be inscribed on the bells of the horses, and the cooking pots in the Lord's house will be like the sacred bowls in front of the altar. In these verses, we see this amazing prediction of everything being made holy. Everything, even the cooking pots. You might say, Well, I just cook with my pot. Does it really matter whether it's holy or not? Well, God's going to make it holy when he returns in his glory and sets up heaven. Even the bells on the horses are going to be purified and set right. These are intricate things that you would never think of, and yet everything is going to be perfect when God works in the future to make it perfect. A beautiful promise that there will no longer be any Gentiles. The picture of the Gentiles are those that we're deceiving God's people and we're against them. No longer will there be anyone discouraging us. There will only be people who follow God who will be there to encourage us. 
And so, we await Jesus. That's what these verses do. They tell us to look to Jesus. We're not to look to a, a, a broken earthly nation or a city. We should not now look to Jerusalem as our hope. No way. We look to Jesus for our hope. We shouldn't look to any other nation for our hope. We shouldn't listen, look to a, a city. Nowhere on earth is going to provide the answers. No, we look past that and we look to Jesus. Because the affirmation is throughout the book of Zechariah that God's promised Messiah will come and he will reign over everything. So we put our hope in Jesus. And so the reminder for us as we live each day is to take Jesus and his reign and his return seriously. To take him seriously. Because there are so many other things that we can take our, take our focus and our distractions. What's happening in the US, thinking that that's going to be the answer. But we think through and think, well, what does Jesus want me to get on with today? In, while I wait for his return. You tell me, what are the things that Jesus wants us to get on with as we await his return? Any ideas? Sharing the good news, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Living out the good news, sharing the good news, as we've already heard. Absolutely. It's about caring about that genuine love for people around us. It's getting on with, with godly living. That's what God wants us to focus on. We might find enjoyment in, in looking to, to what is to come and try to find the answers by looking through Zechariah and Revelation uh, and other books of the Bible. They might give us a bit of a glimpse, but I think the reality is, is that we won't get it perfect if we even do get a glimpse. We won't know the exact timing when the Lord returns. We won't know exactly what powers will be in place. We won't have it all sorted. But what's even better is to trust in Jesus who will be above it all and beyond it all as he works to make it right. We have such a saviour in Jesus and such great promises. And the book of Zechariah just once again affirms those promises. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we look to you this morning for we know that in nations and in cities and in people, there is brokenness. But when we look to you, there is life, there is hope, there is promises of what is to come. And Lord, help us to live in light of, of your greatness, live in light of eternity, in light of what you are to do. Help us, Lord, to have that genuine love for each other, that genuine love for those in need, to use our gifts in your service, to be ready for your return. For Lord, we know that our best way forward is in you, remaining in you. And so we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.